Last week on Lore Seekers. No flip-flops. I bet you've got a mean ankle tan. I do, actually. Why are you looking at my ankles, dude? That's freaking creepy AF. God. Because I'm just like, ah, whatever. Did I get one today? I'm like, uh, do I got crowns? Ah, I need to buy ah. something. Chips has ugly ankles. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't look like those little skankles will uh, will hold them up. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Ooh, that kind of came out wrong. Oh. I meant skinny ankles and it came out <laughs> something else. So don't read into that. Just, oh. just let it happen. Greetings, travelers. Welcome to the Law Seekers podcast. Grab an ale and join our two adventurers as they share their tales of misadventure in the land of Tamriel. Here they are at their usual table. Jibs and cash. Amazing. Oh, yeah. How about that uh, mead that Amaranth brought us? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Agreed. Holy crap! Look who's here! Hey, welcome everybody coming in droves now. Yeah, man, there's, there's not just one; it's quite a few. Welcome, friends. Welcome to the show. Yeah, have you see? Have you see? Uh, yeah. Well, she's already on her way. Sweet. Welcome um, you, boys. I'll take a. You know, I'm digging this mead. I'm already drinking, but I think I'll have a honey mead. That'll work for me, please. Oh, you're picky. Mm. I know what I like. I'm exquisite yeah. in my taste. I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with what I'm having. Okay. Coming right up. Thank you, dear. Good stuff. Oh, so my good friend, what is going on? There's been lots going on. I've had uh, had a great week. We um, we're we're still doing our wishy washy back and forth about uh, who we want to play for our main in ESO <laughs> out here, like years later. Um, so I, I thought I murdered a character last week and I re-rolled my Nightblade and he's been pretty fun. Been spending lots of time with him, just, uh, popping in and out through Thieves Guild and Dark Brotherhood and doing some stuff to, uh, kind of get him leveled up, but on the slow, just enjoying it. Right. Right. Taking in the sights, doing most of my leveling through questing. It's been pretty cool. I think he's like 38 ish. Yeah now something like that um and then a couple days ago i really started mission missing my sork so cash the lore seeker has been revived and i'm probably going to be doing some uh changes and stuff to him over here in the next few days but he i'm going to go through the um the new event with him Ooh. with old cash yeah it's been pretty fun fantastic how about you my friend oh. too? <laughs> Okay, so a lot of you who are listening, you're a part of the stream. We were leveling a Nightblade to the last match of the night. We got to 50. I'm like, all right, awesome. And uh, I took him, got him all geared up, got all his, you know, the traits, just about all, you know, where they need to be. Got in a battleground, and I was quickly reminded, after leveling all this time, why I don't like a Nightblade in battlegrounds. When it comes to, like, Cyrodiil or, like, Imperial Sewers, this guy will be great. But post fifty PvP is so. Sometimes you forget, and I and I feel like I just said it not that long ago on the show. But 
Man, pre-50 PvP and post-50 PvP in Battleground, as far as Battlegrounds are concerned, that alone is night and day different. If you are making a tune, this is just a small quick tip for anybody who's listening, and you are making a tune specifically for PvP. Even if you're doing your own build, whatever you're doing, I would encourage you to first go to YouTube and watch how they play post-50. Because the entire leveling experience that I had with him, you know, it was just for fun anyway. It wasn't like a serious PvE tune, or or I thought maybe I could have taken it seriously with PvP. But, I, I mean, it. I was doing really well pre-50 kills. You know, I was near the top. I was doing really, really well. Um, but post-50... Whoa, man! Whoa! Yeah, it's a different game. It's it's a different game. Well, yeah. well, I think I, I've talked about it before. You're dealing with characters like the same way we do with our PVE characters because that's typically our focus when we play. Right. We spend a lot of time on making sure that the build is perfect. It's exactly where we want it, and then we go farm that gear right until we get our gear, and then um, and then we upgrade all that gear that we get. And we put all the enchants on it just the way that we want it. And we put a lot of time into being the most effective that we can be in PvE. And on the reciprocal, there are those same people where PvP is their focus. Battlegrounds are their focus. And that is what they do. They live for it. So, you know, they, they're doing the same thing. They're doing battleground after battleground after battleground, and they know how to murder other players very, very well, yeah. just as well as you know that PVE content. Oh yeah. So, and then we're you know we're popping in like, hey guys, I'm gonna try some PVP tonight, <laughs> and then just getting steamrolled. Yeah. So I don't feel terrible when it happens because that's their focus. Right. You know, I'm I'm more happy when I get a kill or three or four or five. Like if I, if I get a 10 kill match, I'm over the moon. Yeah. You're elated. I'm super, <laughs> I'm super stoked. And yeah. for me, it, it's pretty rare to get that high. Normally I'm like around, if I'm being honest, four or five kills. Right. On a decent match. Yeah. Some matches I get zero. Yeah. Cause I just get my ass kicked and, or I, or I do, uh, or I heal. Right. So, you know, but in PVE, I'm much more effective, right? Because that's how most of my characters are built, and that's what I know, and that's what I what I love to do, right? So. Yeah. See, I'm a PVP at heart, and uh, but you know, ESO really kind of shifted me to PVE. So now I'm at this point where I'm really wanting to double down on having a really serious PVP tune. And so I found the night that the Stam Nightblade is a lot of fun. I enjoy him more than Mag Nightblade. I've killed off the Mag Nightblade. Um, in the process of killing my my uh, one of my just test sorks I had made a long time ago, um, but the upside is this. So I'm like, all right, I need to. I was checking my crafting tune, and I realized he is not Old Mary Dominion. And you know, Jibs the Lore Seeker in our storyline post show is a sork, and he's also. Uh, Old Mary Dominion, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this tune is not only not named Jibs the Lore Seeker, but he's not Old Mary Dominion. This has to be fixed immediately. So you're a, you're a communist. What I <laughs> what I did was I before I did anything, I wanted to test this, so I got all uh, I respect this Sork, and he's pretty high up there anyway. He doesn't even have the right PvP gear on, 
But I took this build that I'm now working with, took it into P PvP Battlegrounds, and he did really, really well. I felt like I was impacting the battlefield, I was getting some kills, um, I liked where it was going, and I really felt like I could work with it. So, <sighs> I started another tune, <laughs> and this is Jibs the Lore Seeker, the, the real one. And uh, this is a Sork, and so that's been my focus, and it's a lot of fun. Like, I I have to have a PvP tune. Like, that. that's such a part of my MMO history. And so... So, it, so now, sorry to interrupt you, but are you looking to do this character as both PvE and PvP, or you're going to make PvP his focus? No, his focus is PvP. My Templar is my main PvE tune. That is my questing tune. Uh, with a bow and dagger. So um, that is the focus there. And then the Sork is for PvP only. And it's very... Uh, I'll be honest, man. Like, I was stunned. Like, I, I went into Discord right after all this happened. And I realized where I was at. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I just leveled this tune. That's the worst feeling in the world, right? You level a tune just to get to post 50 and realize... This isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, it does suck, but I mean, it do, it doesn't take that long. No, no, take it doesn't. It back up there. Yeah, no, I discovered this. It was kind of, I'm kind of glad in a way because I, I hadn't timed this yet. But if you're rocking a 50 percent experience scroll and you are doing dolmens, and that scroll lasts for an hour, and in one hour's time, you will get to level 10, or 45 minutes time you'll get to level 10 if you're doing dolmens with a 50% experience scroll. So for any of you who are looking to be efficient, that's a quick way to get to 10. And then I waited till that was done. I had 150% XP scroll. I popped that, did my dailies. And so he's, I started him yesterday. He's somewhere around 22, I think at the moment. Yeah, that's, you're, you're, you're trucking along. Yeah, so it's not bad. It's but man, good. learning experience. And here's another quick tip before we get started. I know we, we got, we got to show, but I didn't know this. But did you know that when you delete a tune, it's on a timer? You cannot delete tunes one or after the other. You've oh, yeah, yeah. It it limits you out. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's to uh, combat people who take over your account. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that was in the game, so I was pretty... Uh, pretty, yeah. uh, pretty pleased to see that. But anyway... It, it says it on the bottom. Like it says, you know, you can delete... So on and so forth, amount of characters or something like that. Two remaining, something like that. It's, yeah, I never read it. But you know, you know what? I, I haven't really heard too much of people hacking accounts and taking over people's crap in this game. I know it happens, right? But I don't hear like that it's a thing. Yeah, maybe they just don't publicize it as much. Like uh, let's say, like they they did with uh, Warcraft. That was a big deal. So they did the yeah, oh God, it was a huge thing. deal in World of Warcraft for yeah. sure. Yeah. But anyway, well, everybody, welcome to the show. This is episode three, volume three of the Lore Seekers podcast. We're so happy to have you back. We are your hosts. I am Jibs, and I'm joined by Cash. I am back. Um, you know, Nightblades are fun, dude. I'm oh, having yeah. a blast with mine. It, he's, he's really a lot of fun, and I, I like getting into the persona of him. Um, yeah, and just this the writing. And speaking of writing, guess what? What? We have another selection this week 
for Ooh, our uh, storyline. Yes, yes. Uh, last week we had Braxwolf, and this week we have chosen uh, a story submitted by one of our very own lore seekers, Amaranth. Awesome. Which is why I mentioned the mead that she brought us. So pay attention to that at the end. I'll shout it out again before we're done here. But um, yeah, so thank you for that submission. It was very good. And we shall hear it later. We're going to post some new missions up. Uh, We are finding that we're getting multiples of uh, the ones that we have. We're getting like multiple submissions of the Mm -hmm. ones that we posted up. So we're going to put some more variety on there for peeps. Yeah, Yeah, because the problem is that if you release one, like last week we had Brax, and his was about the Indrik hunt, and then we got another submission on the Indrik hunt, which was very good, but we can only do one. You know what I mean? Because we want to, like, mix it up a little bit. Right. Well, it's it's kind of like that thing where, I mean, to our knowledge, this has never been done in a podcast before. Like no, I don't think anyone's ever tried this that we know of, especially in the gaming sphere, especially for Elder Scrolls. So it's because we're nuts. Yeah, we are kind of nuts. So this is kind of like a trial and error thing. So really, I tell you what, that first one, man, that response, woo, people love it. Yeah, we got it. a lot of response from Braxis. It was very, it was very good. It's very well written. I mean, that's just good writing. So it's awesome. Agreed, one hundred percent. All right, so, oh, well. For those of you who are just joining us for the first time ever for Lord Seekers Podcast, first off, welcome. Second of all, you missed last week's episode. Go check it out. We talked about, uh, what did we talk about? I forgot to update it. We talked about uh, Sothasil. <laughs> yeah, we had our lore lesson on Sothasil yeah. and the new uh, the new Clockwork City event that yeah. starts yesterday. Yeah, I'm so bad about that. I'll get everything updated and I forget to update that one thing. I'm not mad at you. Oh, fantastic. But uh, anyway, this week on the show, we got an interesting discussion. There wasn't any news. Absolutely zero. None. Zilch. It was very, very low amount of news week here in the uh, good old ESO sphere. But there was an interesting post in the forums that we're going to get to talking about. uh, Racial passive changes possibly coming with update 21. What? Yeah. That's dangerous waters, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, then we got fan mail, lore lesson on the Clockwork City, which is fantastic because right now we got the Clockwork City event going on and all kinds of other goodies. But, uh. Hey, you two! Give us some news! Okay, man! Jeez! I tell you what. Do you not like that guy or something? You know, you ever have those people in life that just rub you the wrong way? Like their personality and your personality just butt heads all the time? Yes. All right, well, we'll jump in the news for this guy here. Um, How do we start this? All right, so there was this post at the ESO official forums, and it got a lot of responses, and we almost brought back Zone Chat for for this segment, but um, I think we're going to hold off on that. But I saw this, and I thought we have to talk about this in this show um, racial passive changes coming in update 21. The the actual official post was titled Combat Update NU or Update 21. It says a new approach. All right, so there was a whole post 
But really, we're going to get to the details. The beginning of it was talking about the game, the good accomplishments they've had, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of like one of those things that you you type in before you get ready to drop a bomb. <laughs> so, so uh, I think a lot of people are nervous. A lot of people are nervous with these possible changes, but we're going to yeah. read this to you. Yep. He says, quote, The team is currently investing a portion of its time into codifying codifying our vision and long-term strategy for combat this is not a trivial task because as mentioned before the game is huge and there's a lot to cover with combat as such we're pulling back on the volume of combat balance changes being introduced in update 21 compared to previous updates currently our plan changes for the update include it's going to list a few things here new item sets for our uh, quarter one 2019 DLC. What is it? What's in the box? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, redesigns for several PvP item sets that are currently rarely used. I like that. Yeah, I like revive that some. They already have them yeah. designed. You might as well make them better. People aren't using them. Yeah, agreed. While they're doing that, bring in some uh, new features of the game like mini-maps and all that. That'd be good too. A balance pass on racial passive abilities. Ooh, ooh. Ooh. Yeah, just think about that one for a few. Yeah. And a small number of other balance changes, many of which are wrapping up efforts the team took in Update 20. And also talks about an assortment of bug fixes. I'll be honest, and people brought it up in Discord last night. I tell you what, and I didn't realize it until I really started seeing the amount of bugs. Merkmeyer brought a lot of bugs, man. There yeah, is most a of the lot bugs of that bugs. I, like what though? Because most of the bugs that I'm seeing that I, I just see them with every single update are bugs that you get with your um, unupdated add-ons for on PC. I'm getting like the weapons are back on the ground again. Oh, um, okay. and the abilities are coming from the ground. So if I'm firing out an arrow, it's literally crossing the ground when it's going. Yeah, um, I've so got right. uh, du- when I'm dual wielding, my weapons are not in my hands. I'm just swinging my fists as if I have weapons in my hands. Okay, you're right. I've seen them. <laughs> okay, I, I def- I've had a few of those happen, and I think the funniest one that happened, dude. I'm not kidding you. I was on my Nightblade when he was probably around twenty ish. And I was doing the Harborage quests. Right? Right. And as I'm doing these quests, I'm trying to hop on my mount. Well, my mount was sunken into the ground so far that you couldn't even see my mount. But the animation of me riding my mount was still occurring with my body right level with the ground. So it literally looked like I was like... I don't know, for lack of better terms, humping or teabagging the ground yeah, at mount speed. Yeah. Just like womp, 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 womp. It was yeah. hilarious. I could not hit the record button fast enough <laughs> on my NVIDIA recorder. Yeah. It was hilarious the way it yeah. looked. And I'm like, if there ever was a bug, this is the one I want forever. <laughs> it was so funny. So, yeah, yeah. That, you, you are right. There are some bugs out there. It's happening, too. And then I'm getting another weird one that when I hold daggers, you know, like, you hold, you know, just the animation of just the idol, you know, when they're in your hands and you're just standing there. My dude has this weird thing where he sticks it through his head. So he's sitting there with a dagger through his head, and then another one, he's just kind of hanging out. That so sounds like, I don't know. unhealthy. Yeah, you know, sounds a little painful. So, uh, 
needless to say. Do you still do you still fun. have that bug um, with your game to where you suck at opening lockboxes? Hey, have you heard? Have you had that bug? That bug where you get G kicked on the lore seekers? Here it comes. Have you? Have you heard? Have you had that bug? You know what the funny part is about that? <laughs> What's that? I hold the keys to the castle in the <laughs> guild true. at lore seekers. <laughs> It's true. I can't even. My I can't good even friend. That bustle. Yeah, try to try the ball kick, but you missed. I'm gonna file a report. Give me the reins to this guild. Um, all right, and just all right. So anyway, uh, let's continue here. It says, "Quote: We're currently in the process of sharing the details of these changes with the class reps to get feedback ahead of PTS, which won't start until the the new year. However, we wanted to give you a heads up now, so the smaller list of changes." Doesn't come as, as a surprise when the PTS1 patch notes drop. In time, we'll also want to share more about the vision and strategy that will drive future up combat updates. To be clear, this is simply a momentary deceleration of changes while we evaluate the state of combat and determine how to proceed. We are nowhere near done updating and improving the game. Oh yeah, constant process. This is, this is the part where this gets uh, interesting. It's a little wonky. I'm, yeah, I'm guessing many of you will be interested to know more about the racial balance changes. Uh-huh. Well, while we aren't ready to give specific details yet, here's a peek at the goals driving the team's effort. One, when selecting a race, players should have multiple effective options for any gameplay role. Two, the combat power provided by each race should be more equalized. Three, Players should feel a stronger sense of power, of power progression through the racial passives as they level up. Four, the unique feeling and flavor each race provides should be retained and enhanced where possible and remain faithful to established lore, end quote. That is going to be a very difficult balance. The last sentence, the unique feeling and flavor of each race provides should be retained and enhanced where possible and remain faithful to established lore. This is what it means to me, Chips. Mm-hmm. They are definitely seeing that the min-maxers out there are recommending one or two races for the meta, for the end game. If you want the best build for your stamina nightblade, you must roll a red guard, or you must roll a Khajiit. And there are some some examples out there um, where there are some little bit more options. If you want more crit right now, the Khajiit is probably the best for your stabby, stabby, stamina, nightblade. And this is, you know, just small examples of one class. If you look, if you're looking for an easier sustain with your stamina resource, then you'd be better off going with a red guard as a right. race. They are seeing this happen. So same thing with magicka characters. You'll want more yep. Magicka pool. You'll want more Magicka uh, recovery. You should go with a high elf. Right. That kind of stuff. They right. are seeing not a mix of races happening anymore when folks are building characters. Like myself, we've gone over this many times. I love the Bosmer. Right. I do not have an effective Bosmer character that I play right now. Right. Because of this, as much as I fight it, I am a min-maxer. It just, it is what it is. So, 
I see what they're trying to do. I'm happy about what they're trying to do because I don't really have a problem killing and rolling a new character and leveling them up. But there is going to be a lot of folks who are bummed about this. If it's not done correctly, I can see a little bit of rage happening because people have invested a lot of time into a certain character and where they may have picked a red guard over say an orc or the character cl- or the character race they really wanted to play for aesthetics reasons they had to pick another race because it's more effective in combat at end game so that being said there are going to be some folks out there that are if they do make some significant changes like oh my gosh all along i probably could have gone and played an orc because now these changes are going to happen and the the playing field is leveled now with these changes and with races does that make sense? Just, yeah, no, it makes perfect sense because you, you know, you really enjoy the Bosmer, whereas I personally, and especially yesterday, yeah, you like orcs. A, a freak. No, Dunmer's my thing. Oh, Dunmer. Okay, yeah. Dunmer's like my first, and then you got orc. But like, you know, yesterday you sent me this awesome package of Morrowind Physical Collector's Edition, which, oh, it's amazing in every sense of the word. Yes, it sitting is. here right next to the Dwemer statue. But anyway, that journal. That you get. Right. That Naru's journal. Uh-huh. I was blown away. And I'm going somewhere with this related passage, so follow me. But it, it just... It, first off, it's night and day better than Somerset's. Oh my gosh, it's a, this collector's edition is way better than Somerset's in every sense of the f- word. I had no idea that this collector's edition was that amazing. That being said, that journal, reading it and seeing it all again from... Her perspective. I've always thought the Dunmer race are the most beautiful female characters in Elder Scrolls. I don't know why, but I just think they are. They're all and super I have, hotties. And I, and I have such a connection with the Dunmer. And reading that journal, it totally brought those feelings back. Like the feeling to go back tomorrow and see the Dunmer. And so I'm right there with you. If I honestly could, effectively... And there not be such a huge gap difference, you know, between the magic of passives. I would go Dunmer, 100%, no question. And so, yeah, there are probably going to be changes. Now, there was a post by, and I forget who wrote this post. I'm sorry, Zoss, I don't know what the name of the person. But they came back later in the, in the forum, and they were saying that these passives are only combat-related. And so, okay... That still leaves it wide open for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that like, passives are combat-related. You're not getting many passives that are helping you in your crafting. Yeah, none. exactly. You know what I mean? It's all This is all combat-related, so that makes sense. Yep. So, here's my take. No matter what, people are going to get angry. It, you, you can just bet, like, look, people are going to get angry if there's a change that's opened up. You'll have the purists that are like, I remember when... You know, back in my day, <laughs> one race was the race of all races, and <laughs> and and you'll then you'll get the people that are like, oh, I don't like having this race and doing that, and um, so, um, it, it you know, it's just like you're never gonna make everyone happy, but ultimately you got to make the decision that's best for the game and something that's obviously gonna <laughs> lessen that effect is making people uh, players mad, and so when I look at this, I'm like, all right. They've got to be delicate with this. They've got to watch where they're going. And really, you know, let's take this here. Do they really even have wiggle room 
as regards to Loris, as far as Loris concerned, changing the racial passives? Um, not without increasing others and decreasing uh, ones that we have already, which is where your trouble's going to come in. Because imagine, you know, say for instance, on your stamina character, who you've you've struggled, say, on a Bosmer or an Orc for sustain to keep that to keep your stamina up during a fight, right? And then you right. decide to re-roll and, and you roll a red guard and now all of a sudden your sustain is like through the roof and you don't have a, you don't have problems anymore running out of stamina in a fight. Yeah. You, now you have a set way of playing your character. Your rotation right. set. Um, uh, you know, your skill rotation is set. You're comfortable with them. You're in your groove when you're playing, when you're questing, when you're doing end game content and trials and dungeons and such. Now they take that sustain and they try and bring something else up in that tree, but drop down your sustain a little bit to try and balance. If that's how it happens, that changes now your play style. That changes your build. So I get where people could be like, oh my God, what are you doing? But at the same time, I'm... I'm kind of one of those guys that like takes everything with a grain of salt. Let's just wait and see what they do because their goal is not going to be to F everything up and screw everybody's stuff up. Their goal is, is balance. And I can see here that like my take on this is that their goal is to get people, give people the ability to play other races. Yeah. So if they're adding some things and not necessarily taking away others, this could be a very, very good thing. But yes, people in general are afraid of change. Yeah. Add in gamers to that. And oh you're changing their game. <laughs> right. So we, yeah. we've said it time and time again. Gamers are a fickle, fickle creature. I mean, we're, we're among them. Um, especially, you know, hiding behind a keyboard, people just feel like they can say whatever they want to say and they just blast stuff out. And, you know, gosh, all the Twitter posts I read about people, eh, I don't know, side mm-hmm. note, super quick side note, you get a really nice Twitter post from, from Zoss, um, about the game or this thing's coming up. And then somebody's like, that's nice, but can you fix PVP? I'm just like, oh my God, I want to reach through and strangle somebody's scrawny <laughs> little neck when they do that crap. <laughs> So see what I mean? It's like, you know, you get all these keyboard warriors and there's going to be complaints about anything that they do. So those people, I'm sure they take them with a grain of salt. But I'm more apt to, on this particular thing, let's just wait, see what they got going on, give the benefit of the doubt, because that's what people do. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, it's It's not necessarily a bad thing. This is an example of them trying to retain balance and trying to make the game better for its longevity overall. Yeah, I agree. And going back to that point uh, that you made, I think it's probably the, the nail on the head. If they want to really do this, um, you know what? Obviously we, we support it, but also um, especially if it's, you know, good for the game, we support it. But also what we really would like to see, what I would like to see is bring other races up to the level. Don't take stuff away. Just add more with other races. Yeah. So it elevates more. It gives you more options to play. 
That's, I think that's honestly probably going to be the best way. Like, I feel like if you're taking stuff away, you're just going to make people f- f- sickly angry. Because then, what's the what's the next comment going to be? Oh, so they expect us to pay for a race change now? The 3,500 crowns for a race change? I mean, that, that would be the argument. And then you'd have the argument of, oh, they're pushing the crowns, or oh, they're pushing the spend your money, 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 money. Well, Turn then, into Blizzard 2.0 with Diablo Mobile. Then how about so, this? How about this? When these changes come down, they give every account one or two free tokens to change a race. I think that's absolutely the best way. What would I mean? Absolutely. What would be? What would be so hard about that? I mean, to to build a little bit of goodwill within the community. Yes, we're making these changes, and see, I think we're still thinking like worst case scenario here with yeah, what's going to happen with this these is racial the changes. Absolute worst. Yeah. Yeah, because I would hate for my you know now you know, level 50 CP, high CP level uh, Sork to not be as effective as an Altmer anymore. That would bum me out. So if right. they were to, you know, throw us a bone and say, okay, we are going to make these changes, but these, cha- you know, we'll, we'll leave up to you whether or not you want to change a race. Here's a couple of free race change tokens for your new character. If you find that one of the other races better, you know, suits your playstyle better. That would be awesome. Yeah, I think that'd be smart. Um, yeah, I, I would say definitely at least one. Depending on how drastic the changes are, yeah. Jibs at least couple. two. Jibs at least two. Come on. At least two. Hopefully I mean, they're listening. You know, at least two. At least two. <laughs> but I know. Do you know how many characters said, I have? <laughs> <laughs> Millions. All right. Um, so the one thing that they talk about here, though, that it kind of brought up a really good point was this third bullet point here it says players should feel a stronger sense of power progression through racial passives as they level up i'll be honest i'm really glad that they put that in there because the more that i think about it very rarely do i ever feel the racial skill buffs that i'm getting when i'm putting time into those skill points in the racial tree it almost feels like it's something i know i have to do just as a statistic standpoint but i don't really feel it you know i really don't feel that progression like i'm getting stronger you know what i mean wouldn't it be funny if, if the whole thing was like a placebo effect you know what i mean like it's just a skill point sink and it doesn't do anything <laughs> you're like oh my god i, I don't know i don't nope. know I, i'm i'm pretty sure it does because as i level up I, this one kind of threw me off a little bit because as i level up i definitely see myself getting more power really Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're dumping points into racials, not the rest of the... Just I mean, when you're putting points into racial points, not, yeah. not the leveling. You, I really, definitely okay. see a difference between, like, level 20, where you're just like, oh, man, I'm just... this. I'm not feeling this. And then you hit 40, and stuff starts to melt. You're like, yeah, whoa. Maybe 40, absolutely, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And within that, you know, span of 20 levels... You've put in, if you have, you've put in some significant skill points into those racial passives. So I at least recognize a difference. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's hmm. coming from the skill tree passives. I don't know, Jibs. I haven't done the stratics. I'm just saying I am satisfied with the change that I feel in my character as they, as they progress. Well, you're wrong and I'm offended. Why? 
<laughs> I just wanted to say it because that's sometimes how America is now. <laughs> America. Okay. All right. America. All right. So anyway, bring it back. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this change. And this is kind of one thing that we want to really hear from you all. We don't want this this discussion to be over with. So here's what I want you all to do. Either email us or call us. I would love to hear more from you on our voicemails. Call us and tell us your opinion on these combat racial passive changes. It looks like it's definitely going to happen. We just don't know exactly how it's going to happen. Just don't you call know, us what, collect. What, <laughs> what in your eyes would be the best way to go about these changes? What, uh, what should they stay away from? That's what we want to hear from. So you can call us 765 382-6961. You can also email us, loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com. And what by the way, you go to loreseekerspodcast.com all the way at the bottom of the page. There's a little there's a little uh, entry there you can do as well. So, What should they stay away from? They should stay away from the stinking skooma. Stay away from the skooma. Stay away from the skooma. It's bad stay for away. you. I've had diarrhea since Easter. Okay. Or wait a minute. Maybe you can bring me a little bit of skooma. Just a little bit. It tastes like moon sugar, but it's not. It's skooma. It's worse. It's worse. Anyway, my part's done. Whew. I just, this is I've, a big lore lesson we got. It's a big lore lesson. I can feel, you feel it? the magicka swelling it? up inside me right now. Just like, okay. it's a big one. All right. All right. Stand All back. Finish. All just right. Stand back. Okay. I'm you good. might, You might want to get behind me for this one. Okay. All right. Here we go. Right. Today, my friends, we are a day into the new event. The new event highlights the Clockwork City and brings your Elder Scrolls online playing butt right back to that magical city. The creation of the Clockwork City. Was he a genius? Was he a madman? Hmm. I know. Don't you love my intros? Uh, yes. Thanks for saying that, because I'm totally self-conscious about them. Oh, okay. <laughs> My friends, the Clockwork City is a metaphysical realm built to resemble the inner workings of a clock built by the living god Sothasil, who we talked about last week. This man is a genius, kind of sinister. Is he a douche? Or is he just flat out amazing? Or was he totally all about himself? Yeah, I think he was bat crap crazy, but that's a story for another Oprah show. Clockwork City supposedly exists outside of space and time. In order to enter the famed city, you have to actually magically be shrunk. Honey, I shrunk the kids. This. I'm sorry, what? You have hun- to be shrunk. Oh. Well, we've identified the one person in the room who hasn't gone through Clockwork City. No, I have. I oh well. Uh, I have. You know, I just don't recall there. anything. I know. No, I haven't. Ever. I'm going to do it during the event. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a lore fail. That's the first episode's lore fail. Hey, you know how many episodes are we in now? I don't even know anymore. Thirty that's a, something. That's a lot of weeks to be alone. That's a lot of weeks you. with no fails. <laughs> I think I earned one. (laughs) Why do you have to be magically shrunk, Jibs? Because the Clockwork City itself is a globe the size of a large crate. Did you know this? 
I yeah. did not carry on. The city was built to satisfy Sotha Seal's disdain for the direction that Tamriel had taken. It was no secret that Sotha Seal was not happy with the way that Tamriel was progressing. So he felt that the Aegir's creation of Nern was quite flawed and that his creation of the Clockwork City was his own attempt to perfect it. He saw the redemption of Tamriel as his goal. And in addition to unifying the competing forces to come together in the destruction of the Daedra. So the one thing that he was constant on was that the Daedra was evil and they should be vanquished. So with building the Clockwork City, Sotha Seal would forge the future in an attempt to quote-unquote reshape the world. Hmm. This is a very meaty lore lesson. So strap on your big boy pants and keep up. I think it's a really good one. I was actually pretty, uh, I was exhausted by the time I was done writing it. Don't get me wrong. But I was pretty impressed with yourself. Here's the thing with me and creating these lore lessons. (laughs) Yes. Here's the thing with me creating these lore lessons. I love the research and I love writing them, but about halfway through, I want to do nothing but log in and play ESO. It has been that way for 35 weeks at least. The beginning of time. Because we've not, I mean, other than our breaks, we haven't missed a week. So I guess it really would put us at like 40 weeks. But, or you know, we haven't missed um, very many weeks. So I I love doing this. I get into a long one and, and like halfway through, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just want to play right now. Right. So yeah, hopefully yeah. that doesn't come out in the writing. <laughs> anyway, okay. Clockwork City's location has been difficult to locate at times because it's described as a metaphor made manifest. The Clockwork City itself is. Meaning that the Clockwork City is a non-existent idea made into reality. This is going to start getting kind of Elder Scrollsy, where Okay. Yeah, like there's a lot of philosophy behind it, and it might blow your friggin' minds. Anyway, when someone tries to describe the location, the physical location of Clockwork City, it usually ends up in them just explaining how to get there. Because there's actually, there's no real physical location. But in the Elder Scrolls Online, the location of the Clockwork City is within Set's vault, Set meaning so at the seal, within the ruins of Bombs Ashend, beneath the Mournhold Temple in Deshaun. Debunking the rumor that there is actually no physical location. So can you actually go there as a player? Yes. Really? Mournhold Temple, Deshaun, within the ruins of Bombs Ashend. Okay. Lies an entrance. At other times in Tamriel's history, the portable city was rumored to be located in various locations, such as the swamps of Morrowind. Or beneath the city of Ebonheart itself. Okay. Getting into the city was another mystery. Now, in our timeline of ESO, second era, year 583-ish, two entrances have been revealed. The first was a rift in Abenabi Cave, 
which is a cavern system which runs beneath Zephyrbel Bay, Zephyrbel, Zephyrbel Bay, mm, in Azure's okay. coast uh, in the region of Morrowind. Shut up. <laughs> the second was uh, to enter via the globe that represents the city itself, the actual globe that he built. Some mages were able to fashion devices to teleport them to the city, such as uh, Tellinger the Artificer. He created the Hyperagonal Location Determinator, which sounds super Back to the Future-ish. Right. It probably has, a flux ca- probably has a flux capacitor that operates at 1.21 gigawatts. Uh, is his nickname Doc? Because that's... It might know. be. It is now. Right. Hmm. This device could pinpoint any desired location and defeat any magical defenses to teleport the user directly to the coordinates. Yeah. We're getting in the weeds here, aren't we? Just yeah. a skosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's transition a little bit. Let's talk about citizenship in the Clockwork City because this does become a factor when you start running the quest lines. For an outsider, or as referred to as a citizen, or as referred to by the citizens of the city, an exodromo, to become a citizen of Clockwork City, one must gain sponsorship from a city's inhabitant. At first, new citizens were told that there was no way to travel back to Tamriel once they arrived in Clockwork City, which is the reason why you hear people complaining about being stuck there, walking around through town in Clockwork City. However, a portal does exist in the Basilica to return citizens back to Tamriel. No doy. For those who did not know of the portal being relegated to Clockwork City was either a miracle or a friggin' nightmare. (laughs) The other loved or hated it. I get that. Okay, the design of Clockwork City itself. Although Sothesil's design of Clockwork City was inspired by ancient Dwemeri construction, figured you'd like that part, Jibs. By the time it was completed, he injected his own style into the project. All of the city structures, the vegetation, and the wildlife were mechanical constructs created by Sotha Seal. It was rumored that the Clockwork City was constructed sometime during the first era, presumably after Sotha Seal had come to his rise or come to rise as part of the tribunal. The tribunal, as we talked about last uh, last week in our review, Omalexia, Sotha Seal, and Vivek, Omsivi. It was believed that he began construction on the Clockwork City as his life's work after he and the tribunal harnessed the power from the Heart of Lorcan, which we talked about last week. Right. They stole the power using Kagranak's tools. They ascended to godhood. Sothasil had this project he wanted to work on. There you go. Frank's before the beans. Hmm. Did I just say that? I just said that. Yeah, you were kind of telling your age there. Welcome to Lore Lessons by Cash. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's talk about the actual construction of the Brass Fortress uh, and and the Clockwork City itself. Okay. Sotha Seal's creation was quite ambitious, and in order to succeed, many facilities and constructs were required. This will harken directly back to our game, because all these places are there. You can visit them. You've probably battled in a lot of these places already. The Halls of Regulation, for example, 
were constructed to achieve the proper humidity needed for a breathable atmosphere in the Clockwork City. Otherwise, people would die. The halls of regulation maintain the city's water cycle, the breathable air, humidity, temperature, wind currents, and potable water supply. Wow. That's what I was waiting for. Pretty interesting, huh? There's lore yeah. behind the places that you see. Love it. Really cool. Uh, the Celestia, Celestiodrome. Man, I'm having sure. a hard time with the words. Don't there. look at me. I'm not even going to try that. <laughs> I didn't look at you. You don't know if I looked at you or not. You got a twitch. Over the airwaves. Actually, I cracked my neck. Hmm. Words are hard. Okay. The Celestiodrome. I think I said that right was created to form the topography in the realm. A gigantic processing facility known as the Halls of Fabrication were built with the purpose of deconstructing Dwemer machinery so the parts could be utilized in Sotha Seal's new creations. Jibs, have you run the Halls of Fabrication trial? I wish. Dude, it is a good one. I wish. I want to see that. It is a good one. Um, very, very much challenging. Super fun. So anyway, um, fun fact. The Halls of Fabrication is a challenging 12-person group trial in ESO and was created by Sotha Seal to repurpose old Dwemer constructs, which we just talked about what we're talking about it again. Sorry, not sorry. Eventually, Sotha Seal abandoned the facility, leaving the artificial intelligence known as the Assembly General last boss, to continue on his own. In the trial itself, minor spoiler, uh, Devaith Fear had fashioned a plan to extend his tower of Telfir into the Abenabi cave. However, a portal to the Clockwork City inexplicably opened up and refabricants and fabricants from the Halls of Fabrication appeared. As a player, you combat the fabricant threat and enter the Clockwork City portal to battle the Assembly General himself. No, that's a statue, right? That comes with the physical collectors? Yes. He's so gnarly. It is a very challenging, very challenging um, trial. I'm intimidated already. I'm just looking at the statue. Yeah, last boss. It is. There is a lot of mechanics in there, and you have to get a rhythm. For sure. Hmm. But re- it's a really cool one. So, yeah, go do it. With friends. Okay. The pneumonic planisphere was created as an extension of Sotha Seal's consciousness where his memories were stored in the form of stars. This facility was maintained by a caretaker known as the Astronomer. This is also another quest line in the Clockwork City content. Fun fact. The Cogitum centralis. Cogitum centralis. You pick. Potato, potato. Was constructed as the control center of the city, and so the seal was known to confine himself to this facility to work in private, sometimes for decades or centuries at a time. It's like, where's so the seal? Did he die? Nope. He's just locked himself in a room. He's playing video games. <laughs> He's playing with his Barbie doll. He's playing video games. Okay. 
Let's talk a little bit about Almalexia's betrayal, which we kind of touched on last week, but the demise of our good friend Sothasil. In the Third Era, year 427, Almalexia had been driven mad by her loss of immortality. Remember, she lost her power um, when the Heart of Lorcan was blocked. She could no longer get the energy from the Heart of Lorcan, which ascended her into godhood, and she was driven mad by her loss of this immortality. She tricked the Nerevarine into retrieving Barlzar's maze band, an immensely powerful ring used as a means of teleportation. She used the band to find and murder Sothasil in cold blood and transported his fabricants into Mournhold to destroy the city. She also attempted to kill the Nerevarian himself, but she failed and was killed. Despite her attempts, the Clockwork City continued to thrive Minus the presence of its creator, Sotha Seal. And it's because Sotha Seal had done such a good job in creating the artificial intelligence, the thing just kept running. Like, forever. Here's why. In his secretive seclusion, all of those decades and millennia, or, or all those uh, decades spent in the uh, Cogitum Centralis, Decades and centuries, that's what I was looking for. Sothasil had created a mechanical replica of the heart of Lorcan. This replica provided power to the city and its inhabitants even after he died. Because the city remained functional, the Clockwork City Apostles remained in the city. And who are they? We're going to talk about them in a minute. But that's some pretty amazing AI that works off of an artificial heart Hmm. let's talk about clockwork city's inhabitants the clockwork city houses three major groups of people each fostered with within their own community within the brass fortress that's brass fortress is the main area it's like the main part of the city clock kitty yes oh razum dad is coming to my room (laughs) clockwork apostles (laughs) this is the first of three major groups the clockwork apostles which you just mentioned about these inhabitants lived in the Clockwork Basilica and had an unwavering rever- reverence for Sothasil. They were like, these are his dudes. These are his, this, these are his minions. These members of Clockwork Society had great skill in magic, great mechanical affinity, or some other worthy skill set that allowed them to contribute. They often replaced their own limbs with mechanical ones of Sothasil's design to show how their own were very flawed but so the seals were divinely perfected. That is freaking bat crap crazy right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's some star Wars crap right there. So this was done as an expression of faith to South the seal. The clockwork apostles considered Dwemer constructs as inferior and even blasphemous to the creations of South the seal. And, they were always seen as very elitist by even the non the non apostles that resided there. So these are like the ultimate douchebags, right? <laughs> <laughs> these are like worse than the Altmer, ultimate douches. So yep. okay. So following the teachings of the Truth in Sequence, which is a book, 
the apostles devoted their work to Sothesil's ultimate goal to achieve something called the Tamriel Final, a new reborn Nern. That's heretical crap right there. Bro, let me throw this out at you. Elder Scrolls Online 2, it's in a new Nern because of this. Yeah, or an extension of the Clockwork City. When you walk into Clockwork City... There, you hear gears turning. You hear like, voot, 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 like you know, metal legs. You hear, if anybody knows the reference to that metal legs, send us a tweet because I'd <laughs> like to shake your hand. Anyway, um, you hear the the machinations of this place all over the place, and it's really, it's pretty cool. It is a very Pardon me if you don't agree. It's very Star Warsy when you go in there. The things that you hear and see. It's cool. I like it. Like when I first walked in, I just I walked in today for the first time in quite a while. And the first thing I saw was a mechanical construct who was a bard. Just right outside the front gate. Shut up. That's you, awesome. You shut up. Gosh, so like excited. right inside the front gate. <laughs> He's sitting there just playing the loop. And I was like, this is cool. I, I now I remember why I like Clockwork City. So, yeah, this time around I'm going to finish it. All right. The second major group of people within the uh, within the community of the Brass Fortress. Auxiliaries. 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 Mm-hmm. Whichever you like. Whichever you like better. Pick These citizens of Clockwork City lacked the skill in machinery or magic required to become an apostle, but they possessed other notable traits. Adventurers, that's us. Traders, crafters, these were the foundation of this particular group of citizens. Auxiliaries, auxil- up at auxiliaries, dwelled within the Brass Fortress and Slagtown. Kind of a laughable name. Um, and the chancel of transaction was the location of most merchants selling their wares while crafters resided in the Hall of Refined Techniques. So, merchants are in the Chancel of Transaction, and the Hall of Refined, Te- Hall of Refined Techniques is where the crafters were. A huh. domicile enchantment hug. Oh, my God. A domicile enchantment hub, which is near Slagtown, yes, was a place for uh, carpenters to sell their furnishings. So, talking to one of our great members, one of our uh, leaders in Lore Seekers, Blood Eye, who lives down under, she was laughing at Slagtown as being a reference from Australia. So she's like, somebody from Zoss, one of the designers of this game from Zoss, must be from Australia because there's lots of references for Australian stuff. And Slagtown. Um, what are you doing? What? Dominic. He's oh, from, you don't know oh, that? Yeah, oh, He's Dominic. From... I was like, what? In yeah. the, did you just have a Tourette's outburst? <laughs> <laughs> no, Dom. Yeah, so apparently Slagtown in Australia is, um, yeah, I. it's a place where bad people are. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So anyway, live on the show, kind of live. I'm going to look up 
what's Slagtown is? <laughs> Slagtown is a really unfortunate name. Being from the UK, that name makes me laugh every huh. time an NPC says it. Yeah, so in the game, slag is a byproduct of refining ore, I take it. And I guess that's what it's referring to. Makes sense. Could be. But in the UK, slag means prostitute. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, I know it took a while for us to get there, but I had to find a more refined way to say that. And I have, so we shall move on. <laughs> Slacktown. That's what you Googled? Yeah, that's what I Googled. Oh, totally. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to say the... images. I didn't want to say the W word. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you didn't go to images. Yeah, it's it been institute. So anyway. Okay. All right, Tarnished. A woman of the night. A woman of the night. Tarnished. This is the third class of citizens... And these were the citizens who really lacked any desirable or notable skills. Yeah. Sorry. These people lived in the slums of Slagtown and within the Clockwork City's Outlaws Refuge. So, you know, these are the, the folks that are struggling. Feeling abandoned by Clockwork City society, the Tarnished were left to rely on themselves to survive in the slums. During the timeline of ESO, an orc by the name of Razgarug took charge of Slagtown as its official, unofficial mayor and helped keep stocks of its supplies. Despite his efforts to ask the apostles for assistance, his requests went largely unanswered because the apostles are complete douches, prompting him to rely on traveling adventures for help. This is where you come in. No spoilers. Okay. But an opportunity for you to help people. So get to it. Wildlife in Clockwork City. We touched on it before. Due to the synthetic nature of the Clockwork City and the metallic soil foundation, it is inhospitable to most forms of organic life forms. Knowing this would be a factor, Sotha Seal created various types of artificial vegetation that resembled flora found in Tamriel. Here's a fun fact, my good friend Jibs. A transient fungi known as the Ironstock Mushroom, which can be found in the game, is one of the only organic life forms known to naturally grow in Clockwork City and its surrounding landscape. The Everwound Wellspring is also a place with non-mechanical flora which manages to grow on its own despite Clockwork City's poor environmental conditions. That kind of makes things interesting when you're running yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder okay, so he did all these things. Was he just, did he felt like, did he feel like he couldn't truly impact Nern? Because I feel like he could have really brought a lot to the table to Nern with this stuff, but. He could have, but he wanted to do this whole thing on a miniature scale. You know, okay. maybe, maybe before he died, that was his plan to actually create a large clockwork city as opposed to the small crate size replica. Functional replica. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's technically not a replica, is it? Because there's not a real size one. Yeah. Okay. Kind of a one of a kind, really. Yeah. Okay. 
Several types of mechanical life forms were also built by Sothaseal to mimic organic animals and insects found on the mainland of Tamriel. These were known as fabricants. The creatures are a mixture of organic and synthetic parts. There's fabricant beetles, scorpions, spiders, nixhounds, nixoxen, kagooty. There's a kagooty mount. Take a look. That's what kagooty looks like. And other species that roam the artificial landscape. Here's a fun fact. Very unique to Clockwork City's fauna are the venomous fabric or the verminous fabricant and the hulking fabricant. These are two of Sothasil's creations that have no other counterpart known on Nern. So he's created a couple on his own. Okay, two-legged mechanical creatures created by Sothasil are called factotums. They are fully synthetic in their construction, and they fulfill a wide variety of uses, including performing maintenance and providing security. And then as I saw walking into Clockwork City today, bards, really cool. Refabricants are ancient Dwemer constructs collected by Sothaseel. He tinkered with them and reforged them into his own creations. That is life in Clockwork City. And, it, and the outskirts. The actual outskirts themselves, or the actual outskirts itself, is known as the radius. This is similar to Tamriel's wilderness, but it's laden with artificial flora, for flora and fauna, which we just talked about. There are pools of boiling oil and fouled water. can be found everywhere throughout the landscape. Synthetic life can be found everywhere within the radius, and some can be downright hazardous to your health. So watch your step. Clockwork City itself is encompassed within a glass globe. And from the surface, it is perceived as that glass globe when you look to the sky. Um, That glass globe itself is referred to as the Celestiodrome. And in the physical world is no larger than the size of a healthy Netch's body, which is kind of the same size as a crate, kind of the same size as a globe. The realm itself has an artificial day and night cycle with stars adorning the sky. The radius has inclement weather, just as the mainland of Tamriel has inclement weather. But it offers a mix of different hazards that may require the use of protective clothing and protective eye gear and a rebreather for your lungs. Because if you do not, breathing in the dust that's created in Clockwork City and the surrounding radius can cause a condition known as the brass lung. Wow, that sounds awful. I know. I got the brass lung pop. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to make it. <laughs> the brass lung. That's right. Okay, so notable locations in Clockwork City. There's the radius, which we just talked about, as the outskirts of Clockwork. The Halls of Regulation performs many of those important functions that we talk to in Clockwork City, like the air, potable water, etc., the humidity, all that stuff. Um, then here's one that I'm probably going to completely F up. Insalabrious effluvium. Yeah, I'll give you that. Good, good, good job. Oh, I thank you. Um, this is a canyon that runs south of the Brass Fortress. It is likely where the sewage goes. Then there's, yeah, yeah, uh, (laughs) the poop. That's where that goes. So it's Merkmire pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's Merkmire with brass poop. Oh, fantastic. Uh, the Halls of Regulation. This facility 
is um, it maintains Clockwork City's breathable air. And didn't we already talk about that? Uh, we mentioned it. Yeah. It's because it's in here twice. Because I'm awesome. Okay. Then there is the um, Elegiac Replication. I got that right. Oh, my God. Cheers for me. This is a memorial to the people important to Sothasil's life and a blossoming place within the synthetic realm. So I'm going to have to visit that one again because I'm like, memorial to the people in his life? Like, is there a statue of his mom there? Important. Yeah, like that. Well, it ain't all Alexia. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> she was a real D-bag. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Everwound Wellspring, which we mentioned, one of the only places in the city where real flora can grow. Food is grown here. Then there is the uh, Mnemonic Planisphere. This is where Sothasil stored his memories in the form of stars. Remember, we talked about that quest line around that. Um, the Mire Mechanica. This is a swamp region in the in Clockwork City. It runs into the Halls of Regulation. Okay, within the Brass Fortress itself, there is the Cogatum Centralis, which we talked about. In the Second Era, Sothisil dwelled within this Cogatum Centralis, which we talked about for many, many millennia, controlling the city from this throne. Um, and then in the late Third Era, Sothisil inhabited the Dome of Sothisil, and was guarded by two imperfect giant factotums. The, by two imperfects, which were giant factotums. The mechanical fundament, this is the underbelly of the brass fortress. Um, within the mechanical fundament, the co- cogitum cogitum centralis could be accessed. The asylum sanctorum. Anybody? Yeah. Try? Yeah. yeah. Salem yep, yep. Sanctorum trial. Okay. Yep. Used to seal the Dunmer Saints, Felms, Lothus, and Olms as their clockwork vessels caused them to turn mad over time. And guess what you have to do? Hmm. Cull the threat. I was going to say, I can guess. Right. So, uh, Clockwork Basilica, which we talked about, this is where the clockwork apostles conduct their research. Slagtown, girl. This is where the Tarnished live, the slums of the city, within its own Outlaw's Refuge. Some other uh, notable places, we we did not talk about the Halls of Fabrication. So there's the Halls of Fabrication, an enormous processing facility where Sotha Seal once collected and broke down Dwemer machinery, we did talk about this, to repurpose their brass into his own creations. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really fun trial, which we spoke about. Assembly, or huh. the, uh, assemble, sem, Assembly General is in mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. The Clockwork City Vaults, which is uh, where the Houses of Divinity, Altelier, and other places, a person must traverse if they got there from the Clockwork City Globe entrance. Hmm. Yeah, so you'd have to go through the Clockwork City Vaults if that's how you entered. Anyway, I feel like the best way to do the Clockwork City event is listening to this lore lesson and then go doing it. Yeah, which is what I'm going to do in about 10 minutes when we're done recording. <laughs> and I'm going to dive right oh, in. Oh, fantastic. Apparently, I'm going to Menards for a new Christmas tree. So, good, good lucky you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. A new Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. I know. What are you doing? 
driving our listeners mad. <laughs> you're doing what your wife says. That's what you're doing. <laughs> Survive. <laughs> Survive. That's what it's about, ladies and gentlemen. Survive. That's right. Anyway, that's <sighs> Clockwork City, man. I, I really I liked that one. It's yeah, got me that was tickled. Meaty. Yeah, it's got yeah, me tickled I, to go. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again just to get it all. There was a lot to it. You know, it, and it's it's good that it's this way because, you know, with everything being mechanical and, you know, having pieces, so many different pieces and layers to it, I feel like that's what this lore has as well. So it perfectly represents right. Clockwork City. And if so anybody is, else, if anybody wants to have this in, like, written format, don't forget, I post these every week. Um, yeah. In written format, so you yeah. you can read it, you can print them off, you can have your own little book of lore. Yeah, you can actually. Uh, they release one day before the episode, so you can totally figure out what lore lesson we're going to do yep. and have read it. So don't say read it. So toxic. You can post comments like Reddit TLDR and. Uh, <laughs> oh well, well done, my old friend. Why am I and old? here he comes. Well, you, you I've know, been looking here. for you. Uh, thank you, Got sir. Got something I'm supposed to deliver. Your hands only. <laughs> How the bell's working out for you. How's the bell working out? Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, the mail is here. You email us, you call us, and we put it in the show. And this week, we got an email here. Normally, I don't just do a single email or a single voicemail, but this one was too good to pass up. This one's from Martin, and it's on Future Skills and zones. He says, I wanted to ask if you lads were up for putting your wishful thinking hats on so I could get your thoughts on what would be your ideal zone slash skill line combo for a future expansion. For instance, the two examples that I'd like to see to to see make it to the game are one, wielding the Thum in Western Skyrim. Basically you're recruited by the Greybeards and they teach you several shouts in order to save the Western Kingdom. And number two, the whispering bang technique. How was that? Mitch, that was that was pretty good. I think cool. you'll enjoy the, the final recording of that part. Uh, second, the whispering fang technique mentioned by Pacruti set in elsewhere. You'd learn his hand-to-hand style in order to defend against some peril threatening elsewhere and or me. Ooh, I like that. All the best, lads, and keep up the good work, Martin. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I like Mm. the hand-to-hand thing. That's actually a really good idea. That kind of brings you, like, right along the kind of monkey. Not monkey, not monkey. Oh, my God. Mm. Monk. Mm -hmm. Like the Vikings? Yeah, like Mm monk-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's what I meant. Not monkey, like not that kind. Monk-ish <laughs> is what I meant. That is a good idea. That would be very cool. And he wants our ideas on this, right? Yeah, I'm prepared. I can see that. You go ahead. <laughs> I am prepared. Do you want me to go, or do you? Have, you put you, some serious thought into this. No, I'm, I did. I am all ears. Okay. Okay. So we've already talked about the necromancer. And the bard, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to bore anybody with those ideas anymore. They're still ideas. Don't get me wrong. Eh, maybe the bard a little bit. But this one is completely on the wall of crazy. And I fully realize this. It's kind of what this email is. Right. So it's fine. Okay. 
Cash's pick for new content in the game. Water content. I want ships. I want boats. I want underwater accessible treasures. I want to swim under the surface of this incredibly beautiful world. Now, I don't expect an entire underwater zone like World of Warcraft did. I do not expect that at all. I don't want that. I don't think it's lore. But diving under the water in Stros Makai or wherever you pick to get to find a treasure chest and try and pick the lock before you run out of breath, that absolutely is lore-centric and friendly. Mm-hmm. That's in every single-player game, um, Elder Scrolls game that there is. So, yes, totally canon. Um, I would like to see faction-based naval combat in some way because each of these factions have navies. Right. I would like to see a new class. Hang on, because this is on the wall of crazy. Okay. The pirate. Yeah. Okay. All right. Subclasses. Skill trees. What could they possibly be? Okay. The bard. He's your. That's your healer tree. Right? Your healer. He's more of a buffer than anything. Okay? Then there's the swashbuckler. A swashbuckler could be your swordsman, your sword and board, your dual wield, kind of a more of a tanky character. You could go down DPS line if you want with the swashbuckler. Then there's the dirge or the scoundrel, and that's going to be your DPS or poison tree. Wow, um, you really did you think about this when you're on the pooper? Well, yeah, like, that's, where you, do, did, that's where I do my best thinking. That's where you do your best thinking. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I can't move and I can't be distracted, so I might <laughs> as well think about new classes for ESO while I poop. Might as well not waste time while I'm sitting here. Yeah, yeah, I'll have you know, super regular <laughs> because of this email we got. Oh, Thanks, Martin. I'm all good. Okay, so mine's, mine's a little bit simpler. Uh, I would like when you hit M to bring up your map, and we've got, you know, we've got all of Nern, but then you've got Cold Harbor, you've got Clockwork, and then what's the other one? Um... What's the other Morrowind? little circle? Morrowind? Mar- no, not Morrowind. It's, there's there's two. I feel like there was a third. Maybe not. Anyway, I would like to add a, another little circle there, which would be a zone. That zone being, I feel like I would do a disservice sitting next to this Dweemer pet, the statue if I didn't say this, where the Dweemer were transported. Assuming they're still alive. Oh, and, man. Oh, it was Arteum. That's what it was. That's what it was. It was Arteum. I knew there was a third one. Okay, so this would be the fourth one. And when you go there, not only is it a whole quest line and chain, but a new mechanics introduced to the game, I would like to see something like a Dweemer skill line where you are allowed to build things. You are allowed to really um, build uh, mechanized trinkets. Or engineer. Gear engineer, yes. And so that's what I personally would like to see added to the game oh my god dude like oh that's think huge lore that's huge lore to add like yeah. oh by the way this is what happened to the dwimmer yeah holy oh, crap shut up my my poop thinking's better than yours 
Yeah, but at least mine is possible. <laughs> Yours is not even on the wall of crazy. It's on the wall of stop playing the game, uninstall it, you're an idiot. It's on the stall wall of the permanent marker. <laughs> it's on the stall. Next to a phone number. <laughs> For a good time, call the Dweamer. Call the Slack Town. Yeah. Call Slack Town. The oh, Dweamer. That's where they ended up. They ended up in the Slag Town of Clockwork City. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Martin. We appreciate your email. Yeah, Everybody, this was episode three of the Lore Seekers podcast for volume three. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, we hope you did, please stop over at iTunes. Leave us a review. Now, we know, and I, I'm i the same way. I use all kinds of outlets, not just iTunes. But if you are using iTunes, leave us your five-star review. Make sure you write something so we can give you credit on the show. And, uh, yeah, we'll show you some love right here in the episode. You can call us at 765-382-6961. Leave us a voicemail. We'll play it live on the show. Try to keep it around roughly a minute. And you can email us, loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit us at loreseekerspodcast.com. Go all the way to the bottom, and you can type in your little email. And that will go to us, 365 we are always there. Cash, we have a guild. We do. Join it. It's super fun. We have some pretty darn amazing people in our guild. And uh, an easier way to get there now, because Jib's redesign of our website was really, really cool. And I oh, thanks. love you a long time for that. Um, go to uh, loresecretspodcast.com forward slash guild. Make sure you have Discord downloaded. You can join our Discord server, but you won't see any channels until you type apply in the apply to guild channel and fill out the questionnaire, uh, douchebag filter. Then we invite you. Then you're good to go. Then you're in the game. Then we're good. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on. We have some amazing people putting together events for us. Jen. For one, amazing. Blood Eye for two, very amazing. Thank you to both giant big virtual bear hugs to both of you because things just flow. When those two show up, people come out of the woodwork from everywhere. It is hilarious to watch. Discord yeah, really could do. be empty, but when they show up or when they put an event on, it's like it. Yep. is amazing and that's how our guild is and we're very very 300%. pleased so come and join us if you want to learn ESO and your brand spanking new we're happy to answer questions for you if you are a veteran of the game we still have content for you because a lot of us are getting to that point where we're running way higher level stuff and it is a lot of fun to do so so hop in with us lore seekers guild lore seekers podcast.com forward slash guild there you are. Yeah. Uh, every Now we've got all platforms doing World Boss Wednesday. And they're posting stuff up. It's kind of a fun little competition. It's a good time to be a Laura Seeger. That's all right. I'm saying. Right. All I'm saying. You can find this show wherever podcasts are available, including Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever app you use. I use Podcast Addict. So whatever, wherever, you'll find us there. And after you're done listening to this show, be sure you stop on over to the other Elder Scrolls podcasts. Elder Scrolls Online podcast, including the, uh, I think this one's the newest of the bunch, the Tenants podcast from Kyle, and then we've got uh, Tales of Tamriel, Elder Scrolls OTR, Go slow here. Sons Go slow here. of Sithis, and Written in Uncertainty. You did Woo! so good. I'm so, golf clap. Nailed it. You can follow us on Twitter, myself at JibsIRL, Cash at Lord Seeker Cash with a K, 
and most importantly, the show at Lore Seekers Cast. And before we get done, you want to go ahead? The, the mission board, in, you want to go ahead here? Yeah. Yep. Mission yeah. board is yeah. alive and well. We are still getting submissions in today. Big shout out to Amaranth. She is a member of Lore Seekers and she put together a storyline for you. you. And go. I hope get ready that to take you. A listen. Yeah. Get, uh, take a listen to it. One quick thing. There are tons of terrible things going on in our world. The one thing that we can do to make a difference, even on a very, very small, small scale, is just be good to one another. Do it in game. It's a wonderful thing. That's right. Yep. Hey, uh, Cash, before we're done, do you know how long I've been looking for you? Oh, F you, bro. My name is Aneska Oren, a member of the Mages Guild and initiate of the Sigic Order. Though I began as a humble scholar, spending my days in the quiet of libraries and halls of learning, I decided to give up that easy life to delve into dusty old ruins and ancient tombs in search of forgotten lore and esoteric relics. Along the way, it was natural for me to fall in with the lore seekers, as I often find old and valuable artifacts that need selling. My nose was buried in my latest find, a set of crumbling scrolls unearthed in an ancient family tomb in Morrowind, when I received a missive detailing the lore seeker's acquisition of a new base of operations and a request for goods to fill it. After thinking on it, I recalled that there had been tales of a band of pirates who had been pillaging villages up and down the northern coasts of Somerset, leaving corpses and burned-out buildings in their wake. I decided that stealing from pirates is fair game and a public service. Maybe there would even be a reward. Tracking the pirates back to their lair was fairly easy. They weren't exactly trying to keep a low profile. They were holed up in a set of caves near a narrow inlet of the Abation Sea, their ship floating nearby at anchor. When I arrived at the site, I was surprised to see that the ship itself was in poor repair. The wood creaked as it rolled uneasily with the waves, and the sails were dirty and hung limply from loose rigging. There was no one on deck. It looked like it was abandoned. Pirates though they were, it was odd to see sailors treat their ship so badly. I summoned my minor Daedric familiar and held my staff at the ready as I entered the mouth of the first cave, and a sense of unease immediately washed over me. Though a cool wind blew in from the sea, The air inside the cave was warm and humid, heavy with the stench of rotten decay. A wave of nausea rolled over me, but I put my hand over my nose and pressed forward. Inside, the rough walls of the cave glistened in the summoned mage light, though the moisture dripping from them was thick and rolled in heavy droplets, more like slime than water. Strange mushrooms grew along the path deeper into the caves, purple and black with spreading caps that glowed and gave off a putrid stench of their own. Fungus crept up the walls and as I passed, released a thick, choking spore that clung to my robes and coated my skin. I instinctively put my hand over my mouth and nose, certain that inhaling the spores would be a very bad idea. 
The cave opened up into a large, circular room, hewn from stone, and with a sinking feeling in my stomach, I realized I was standing in a ruined Daedric temple of some kind. Black stone spires stabbed up from the floor, holding up crumbled arches overhead, and more of that slimy fungus coated them. There were crates and barrels full of stolen goods piled haphazardly everywhere, but the place was abandoned. The smell of rotten meat got worse as I made my way further into the ruin, past campfires and burned down to ashes and empty bedrolls. Clearly, the pirates had been here, but there was no sign of them now. I ducked as I walked through a low tunnel into a second chamber. What I saw inside made me stop in my tracks, and I could feel the blood drain from my face. Sweet Lady Amalexia, I whispered, and the sound of it echoed back at me mockingly. Around the circumference of the room, dozens of rotted corpses were impaled on more of those black spikes. Their skin was black and bloated, and flies buzzed in gaping wounds where their bellies had burst, spilling out twists of intestines. Their heads were all thrown back, mouths gaping open sprouting more of those purple-black mushrooms, while the sickly yellow fungus grew over their eye sockets, some of them leaking thick gray tears where their eyeballs had putrefied and run down their desiccated cheeks. The floor below them was awash with dried and clotted blood, red and black, and crawling with maggots. I gagged and wretched, horrified and disgusted, and was caught off guard when a low, growling chuckle filled the room. I spun quickly, staff at the ready. An orcish woman sat on a crumbled stone block behind me, dressed in torn, bloody rags. Have you come to join my crew? She rasped, her voice rough and broken. You're a little late. What did you do? I gasped, my mind reeling. The woman, the captain of the ship, most likely, reached into a bowl beside her and took out a handful of rancid flesh and gristle and stuffed the mess into her mouth. As she chewed, thick red-black liquid seeped between her gaping lips and rolled down her chin. A sting of gore caught her in the tusks, what looked like a strip of gangrenous tattooed skin. Aren't they beautiful, she rasped. My gift to my lady, Namira. Her eyes turned, strangely serene, and gazed at the carnage. And now there is you. She grinned and stood, lifting a bloody cleaver from the rock beside her. I expected her to say more or explain herself, but instead, with a roar, she raised the blade and launched herself at me. In my shock, she would have split my head wide open before I could raise my staff but instead, my minion threw itself at her, gibbering and howling to match her madness, and saved me. The cleaver bit into its flesh, but the Daedra seemed not to notice as it raked at the orc with its claws. I raised my staff and felt my magic a swell as I called down torrents of crackling lightning. Electricity raced along the floor and caught the insane orc in its grip. She stopped dead eyes rolling back in their sockets, and sparks dancing along her blackened skin. The cleaver dropped from her spasming fingers as she writhed, then dropped in a charred heap onto the floor. 
I kept the electricity flowing until I was very sure the orc was completely dead. Then I went to gingerly inspect the body. I found nothing to explain any of the carnage around me on her smoking corpse. She had nothing noteworthy on her person whatsoever, except for an odd silver ring on her finger inscribed with Daedric script. I took the ring, but decided to throw it into the sea the first chance I got. To escape the overpowering stench and horror of the putrefied corpses and the disgusting scent of charred orc flesh, I left that cavern and followed yet another tunnel into a third cavern. Bracing myself for even more carnage, I was pleasantly surprised when I found the chamber devoid of death or decay, and instead filled with crates of foodstuffs and barrels of drink. I inspected the goods for any sign that they were tainted, but everything seemed to be in excellent condition. Weary and sickened, I was ready to leave that disgusting place. I summoned the last of my energy and opened a portal to Somerset and set about shoving the cargo through to the lore seeker's reliquary. Luckily, there were several barrels of mead and a cask of Dunmary wine, because once I arrived at the reliquary, I needed a drink. There were also a few skins of rot mess, but the mere thought of that makes me queasy.